as he looks up to the hills, he remembers well the God in whom he trusts, the God who is highly exalted, higher than the hills themselves. The journey is long and the journey is hard. How will we make it? How will we endure? From where will our help come? Welcome to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad you're with us as we continue our look at the Psalms. We've been highlighting or taking a look at different psalms in this series. Jonathan, today we look at Psalm 121. Why is this one of the psalms that you picked? Well, this is one of my favorite psalms, I think, Steve. It's familiar to many. I think a number of attempts have been made to put it to music, and some of us will have sung this psalm as a song in in various contexts. And it's a psalm that I think really speaks to the heart. The picture is of pilgrims making their way to Jerusalem uh, from different parts of Israel to be in Jerusalem for a feast, and they're traveling through dangerous and hilly territory, and they're wondering, are we going to make it? Is it going to be okay? And as they wonder that, they look to the Lord and they cry out to him for his help. And it's a wonderful picture of the believer walking through all the ups and downs of life in this world, looking to the Lord for help on the journey and crying out to him. And for those of us who know the Lord and walk with him, we know that heart experience. It resonates with our heart. And I think I think this particular psalm just gives us encouragement to do that very thing, to look up to the Lord for his daily help on the journey. Well, let's get into that psalm then. As you just heard, Psalm 121 is where we're at. Grab your Bible. Join us there as we begin lifting up our eyes. Here is Jonathan. Travel in the ancient world in the time of the psalmist was no easy thing. Often long journeys involved walking for days on end, walking through difficult terrain and through lawless territory. And journeying to a longed-for destination, it took courage and it took perseverance. And for the believer, it took faith. Our psalm this morning, the text upon which we are going to focus, is all about a great journey to a great destination and all the perils and all the challenges involved in getting there. Our psalm today belongs to a collection of psalms, a collection running from Psalm 120 through to Psalm 134, a collection called the Psalms of Ascents. They are all Psalms that focus on the journey up to Jerusalem, the ascent to Jerusalem from the surrounding communities as the people of God traveled to the famed holy city to take part at the annual festivals at the temple. Now, the idea of ascending, of going up to Jerusalem, was not simply a geographical or topographical idea that that Jerusalem was simply higher in its physical location than everywhere else. The idea was actually more profound than that. It was that Jerusalem was higher in stature than other places. It It was more important than other places. We don't tend to talk like this in North America, but I I noticed this actually quite a lot in the UK. If someone from another part of the country, be it the north or the south, the east or the west, if someone from outside London was traveling to London, they would often talk about going up to London. Going up because London is, well, you know, an important place. 
if a student in the old days traveled to Oxford to begin a new term of studies, people would say, he is going up to Oxford. She is going up to Oxford. Not because Oxford is at a high elevation, it's in the Thames Valley, but rather because it was seen as an important place. The Psalms of a sense speak of the journey of the people of God as they go up to Jerusalem to enjoy the Lord's presence at his temple. You and I are not on a a literal pilgrimage to the earthly Jerusalem, of course, but this psalm, it, it, it doesn't just serve as an ancient travel log that is a piece of historical information and interest for us. No, you and I today, we know what it is to be on a journey to the place of God's immediate presence. We know what it is to be pilgrims, to be travelers, longing for our final destination, weary from the journey, anxious to arrive. And for us, as we read this ancient psalm, our heart resonates with the heart of the psalmist. And as we read these words and give attention to what the psalmist expresses, we learn to place our confidence. We are reminded to place our hope, the grounds of our security, in the God who watches over us on our journey. When we study the Psalms, we don't often look at the context, the the surrounding Psalms. We tend to read each Psalm, I think, as a sort of standalone unit. But this little grouping of Psalms, 120 to 134, it is presented as a kind of defined group for us. All of these Psalms have this little heading, a song of a sense. And I think it makes some sense to see the first of these psalms, the first three anyway, as a kind of opener to the group of traveling songs, songs to sing along the way, songs to sing on the journey. And it's really interesting, I think, to look at these openers, these three together. As a group, these first three psalms of ascents, they are a rich introduction to these journeying songs. Just notice with me what the first one is all about, Psalm 120. It is a cry for deliverance. The psalmist is living in a place that he's finding hard. He's living in a dark land among enemies. Let me just read it briefly. It's a short psalm. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war." The journey up to Jerusalem, it starts with a sense of unrest in the psalmist's heart, a sense of unrest with where he is living at the present time. Meshech refers to a people near the Black Sea, and and Kedar was a people living in the Arabian Desert. 
And the point is, I think, that these are Gentile territories. The psalmist is not in the Lord's land and not in the Lord's presence and not among the Lord's people. He's finding it hard. And so the journey begins with a longing for deliverance. It begins with a weariness with this world. It begins with a longing to be with the Lord and to be among his people. And then, of course, the journey, it takes us to Jerusalem. And the destination is the focus now in Psalm 122, skipping over. Just jump over with me and notice this third psalm in the group. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. And and it goes on, speaking of the destination, speaking of Jerusalem itself. Now, in the middle of this opening set, our psalm, Psalm 121, it focuses on this journey from the Gentile lands of Psalm 120 to the city of God of Psalm 122. Psalm 121 is the story of every believer's pilgrimage to the glorious city, the city above the home of the people of God. It is the prayer of every believer on the way. If you today are weary of this present world and longing for your home above, this is your prayer and this is my prayer. Now, we're going to dig into the psalm together and see how it is that the Lord cares for us on this journey. But before we get into the details, you and I, we need to pause and we need to make sure that our heart is in tune with the heart of the psalmist. In Psalm 120, the psalmist has seen the sin and the ugliness of life outside God's presence, life in this fallen world. And and he set his sights on Jerusalem. He set his sights on the Lord's presence. And so now he is willing to undertake this hard and long and arduous and dangerous journey of Psalm 121 because that's where his heart is. You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths, a message called Lifting Up Our Eyes. And we're going to pause right here, but we'll get back to this message in just a moment. If you ever miss a broadcast in our series, which is called Songs of the Heart, you can always come to the website and you can listen to each and every program there. Just stop by EncounterTheTruth.org. There you can stream the program or download an MP3. Again, that's at EncounterTheTruth.org. And if you have just joined us, we're in the book of Psalms. We're in Psalm 121 as we continue the message. Once again, here is Jonathan. I think we all know that sense of weariness that often precedes a vacation. Maybe you even feel that now. Work has been busy and and keeping on top of the house or, or the yard. It's been tiring. Those weeds have been killing you. And just packing up and getting out of town for a few days, that's all you want to do. 
And, and as you depart, as you pack up and you leave, there's a destination in mind, a, a beach somewhere, maybe a, a beautiful place where there's refreshment and relaxation and sunshine and good food, whatever it is, wherever you go. Now, as you set off on your journey, you are propelled both by the sense of weariness of the place from which you are going, the weariness of your place of departure, and the joyful anticipation of the place to come. Now, that's what we see happening here in this section of the Psalms. Weariness of the place of departure, Psalm 120, and the joyful expectation of the destination, Psalm 122. And those two book-ending realities propel the pilgrim along the journey. And, you know, those two things, they need to be propelling us too each day of our journey. You know, I hope you and I today see and feel the weariness of this present world. And I hope we have fixed in the eyes of our heart the prospect of heaven. See, if we don't have that fixed in our heart, the danger is that we're going to slow down on this journey. And perhaps we're actually going to get waylaid on this journey on our little summer road trips we have one or two places that we normally like to stop along the way. There, there's a little town in Vermont where we often like to stop for a meal when we're traveling down to the East Coast in the United States. It, it's a pretty little town. I think it may even, well, it has its roots maybe in the early 19th century or even, even dipping into the 18th. It's got a, a nice village green in the middle with three or four pretty churches surrounding the green. And we often get a pizza or something and sit in the park and have a rest uh, on the journey. And, and once or twice, it's occurred to me when we've stopped there on our journey, you know, why do we bother driving any further? Let's just end the journey here and spend our week right here. It's nice enough. But of course, it would end up being a very boring week. It's no destination. It, it, it's a point on the journey. You and I, we need to avoid the temptation to stop on our journey to Zion above. We need to avoid the temptation to get waylaid by the attractive things in the world around us, the pleasures and the pursuits and the possessions that vie for the affections of our heart. We need to keep our sights set on the great destination before us. We need to keep traveling this long and sometimes weary road of pilgrimage to heaven itself. And if we're doing that, if that's where our heart is at, our heart is going to resonate with the psalmist in Psalm 121. Well, now to the journey of this great psalm. This weary and perhaps somewhat fearful pilgrim begins the psalm with a cry for reassurance and a cry for help. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? Traveling on rough and precarious roads through mountainous territory was a challenging thing. And bandits could well hide in the hills and threaten the pilgrims on these routes that were probably unpatrolled. As the pilgrim looks to the shadowy hillsides as the sun begins to set, he might well have a sense of fear. Who's going to help me? 
if the bandits emerge from the cave? From where will my help come? But as he looks up to the hills, he remembers well the God in whom he trusts, the God who is highly exalted, higher than the hills themselves. It is this great question that underlies the psalm. The journey is long and the journey is hard. How will we make it? How will we endure? From where will our help come? And the rest of Psalm 121 is really an answer to that question. In fact, you notice that the voice changes. The speaker changes after verse 2. The, the pilgrim asks this question in verse 1. He answers it for himself initially in verse 2. The Lord is my help. But then the voice changes, verse 3. He will not let your foot be moved. The Lord is your keeper. And so on. It's as though journeying companions, fellow pilgrims on the way, now remind the believer of who the Lord is and how he is able to help. Well, where then does our help come from? Who will help us on our weary pilgrimage to heaven above? Who will help you and who will help me if we are tired or fearful on the journey? Well, the psalmist tells us that our help comes from the creator God. That's the first thing, verse 2. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. When we're in situations of urgent need, it's vital to know that we are receiving help from someone who has actual power to intervene. If you face terrible injustice, you don't just need a sympathetic friend to hear your case. You need an officer of the law or even better, a judge. When you face grave illness or injury, you don't just need a concerned neighbor. You need a skilled clinician. You need a doctor. You need a specialist. You need a surgeon. When on a long journey, if your car breaks down in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, you don't just need a kindly passerby. You need someone with a tow truck. Someone with mechanical knowledge. Someone who can provide real and substantial, substantial assistance. When in the middle of life's journey, you face circumstances that threaten to overwhelm you or destroy you. Circumstances that frighten you. Circumstances that grieve you beyond any earthly comfort. You need not only, not simply, sympathetic friends and listening ears. You need someone truly powerful to come to your aid. The psalmist asks himself the question, from where does my help come? And the answer is this, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is quite a famous and familiar verse. It's been turned to song on a number of occasions. And its familiarity could just blunt its force for us. But consider what's being said. 
this one weary pilgrim on a dusty mountain road in the middle of nowhere thousands of years ago, possibly isolated, probably vulnerable, lacking protection. This pilgrim has help, not in the local farmer down the road, not in the passing traveler, not in the king's agent who may from time to time patrol the roads. His help comes from the Lord himself, the covenant God of Israel, the friend of his people, the protector of his children, the God who made heaven and earth. We all know that in a very unequal and sometimes very unfair world, people with good connections tend to get things done. They tend to find that things go their way. That's just life in a world, isn't it, where power and money talk. I've mentioned these before, but some time ago I saw a, a series of photographs that the White House photographer had taken of John F. Kennedy's children playing in the Oval Office. There's something quite touching about these, these photographs, seeing John Jr., you know, poking his head out from the, the resolute desk while his father talks to someone else on the phone, talking maybe with the president of another nation or having a quick word with the secretary of defense. You can maybe just picture it. But there's something quite touching about a, a child here with access to the most powerful person in the world. You and I may be a very little account in the eyes of this world. We may not be well connected to powerful people, but if we belong to God through Jesus Christ, here's the reality, here's the wonderful truth. We have access to the throne room of heaven. Our helper is the maker of heaven and earth. We may feel that our needs are very, very big at the present time. It may be that you are facing a crisis today that you fear may overwhelm you, may derail you, may, may throw your very journey off course. You may be traveling through a valley that is so deep that you think prayer has now become useless because there is no way that God can do anything with this, no way that he can intervene helpfully anymore. But here's the simple reminder. The God upon whom you and I call in prayer, he is the maker of heaven and earth. I don't know if you're familiar with John Newton's hymn, Come my soul, thy suit prepare. I don't think I've ever heard it sung actually, but its words are somewhat familiar and it captures well the spirit of this psalm, especially the truth of verse two. Let me just share with you the first two verses. Newton writes this. Come, my soul, thy suit prepare. Jesus loves to answer prayer. He himself has bid thee pray. Rise and ask without delay. Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions would thee bring. For his grace and power are such none can ever ask too much. Our help, it comes from the Creator God. What would you ask of Him? What need you ask of Him, even today?
Jonathan Griffiths here on Encounter the Truth with part of our message, Lifting Up Our Eyes, part of our series, Songs of the Heart. And today, we're looking at Psalm 121. And while we weren't able to uh, hear the entirety of this message, we'll continue on our next broadcast. So I hope you make it a point to tune in. If you ever miss a program, come and listen online. Our website is EncounterTheTruth.org. There you can also give a gift of support because it is your generosity that keeps Jonathan's teaching on this station And as our way of saying thank you for giving a financial gift this month, we'd love to send you a book that Jonathan's picked out. It's called Worthy, Living in Light of the Gospel, written by Sinclair Ferguson. And in this book, Ferguson explains the importance of living worthy of the gospel, why that principle is so often forgotten and how it's cultivated. And then we take a look at the difference between biblical obedience and legalism. We'd love to send you a copy of this book as our way of saying thank you for your financial support. You can call and give a gift over the phone. The number's 833-99-TRUTH. That's 1-833-998-7884. Or give online at EncounterTheTruth.org. You can also write us at Encounter the Truth, 2176 Prince of Wales Drive, Ottawa, Ontario, 2KE081. Or in the U.S. at Encounter the Truth, 215 North Arlington Heights Road, number 102. Arlington Heights, Illinois, 60004. For Jonathan Griffiths, as well as our producer, Mark Bretta, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.